Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart podcast. Here in the early part of 2019, John Eldridge here with you and uh, Morgan Snyder as well. I was intrigued that one of the most popular books on Amazon recently and over the Christmas holidays was the Instant Pot cookbook. And apparently the Instant Pot is like this uber fast pressure cooker thing. It's kind of like a slow cooker on steroids or whatever. And the idea is you can make dinner in three minutes and that this would be one of the best-selling books. Maybe it was number one at one point. I was just fascinated with, oh my goodness, what does that say about us that dinner has become a luxury? Dinner? You want me to do what? Like, Maybe if this machine will help me get it done in five minutes, I can bring dinner back into our lives. Isn't that amazing? Wow. I mean, just as you say that, I think just sitting down is a big achievement as a family, let alone the preparation of a meal. Right. When our kids were growing up, family dinner was at six. Mm -hmm. That was a given. You never have to ask, so what are we doing tonight? It's just, no, this is one of the stable places in your life, and this is just time to sit down, process your day, enjoy Mm. something savory and healthy, and give your soul a little sanctuary. Mm. I was so surprised to hear people react to that, and people are reacting to it right now as I say it, with how rare that's become, Mm. to sit down, to have a Mm. a ritual like dinner— and to enjoy it and enjoy making it. And, you know, now we're at the place where if you can get it done in three minutes, if this technology will help me, I can do it. Mm. But this isn't blaming. This isn't shaming. I'm not pointing a finger. I'm actually trying to be merciful. Yes. Like, oh my goodness. Because of what we want to talk about Mm. in these two episodes here, Morgan, I had asked for a conversation on lessons from 2018, lessons from last year, things things God spoke to you about, things you realized, but what did the category do? Like when I suggested, let's talk about last year's lessons. Well, it really got me thinking about all the years of just how's the flow of that sort of thing, right? Thinking of years past of resolutions in New Year, New You, you know, you hear out in the world of marketing and just the the years before where I would have found myself mostly going, huh? Like, oh, oh, okay, let me dig that up. Let me see what that was about. Let me get back to you. Yes. Um, whereas this year was really hopeful uh, when you shared that because there were, there were some very deeply current things that we're building on what God's been doing Mm. over the year, but it wasn't necessarily marked by January 1st. It was marked with these seasons of some things from summer into the fall. And then December 1st was just happened to be this major Mm. poignant day with God inviting me into a new season. And so it was like January 1st was inconsequential this year, but that was different. That was new. Mm. Typically, I find, like a lot of people, I try to use externals to solve issues that are internal. I think a new calendar year 
is going to do it this time, right? The gym is just filled. It's overrun right now with new people. And yet already, um, as we're recording this, you know, we're into the new year and it's tapered off dramatically. Yeah. You know, like my buddy says, I love this quote. He says, the problem with vacation is I go with me. <laughs> the problem is I go with me. You think you need a vacation. It's true. But then you get there and it gets quiet and then you realize you need a vacation from you. And so just the idea of, oh, the danger mm. of using externals to solve what are actually, in fact, issues of the heart. So I'm going to put my cards on the table, listening, friends, uh, where we're headed. There's two phenomena I'm particularly concerned about in my life. And one is the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. It's always about the next thing. It's, it's, it's go, 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 move, 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 get it done. And be efficient, crank it out because of the crazy world we live in. You know, we thought technology was going to solve everything for us, but technology now just asks us to run at the speed of technology. So, yeah, you've got this amazing mobile device, but now you have to answer all those inquiries that are coming to you 24-7 through that mobile device, right? So you, um, it didn't make our life easier. It required us to operate with the efficiency of computers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm embarrassed by what that does to my life with God. What's It's the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I was thinking about Israel, about how, like, they, they were given the breakfast of angels, miraculously, in the desert, every morning. Every morning they would wake up to a miracle. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine? Every morning you wake up to a miracle. And, and you are sustained and you are fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to the place where it's, yeah, 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 you know, it's, yeah, we've seen the angel breakfast stuff, the manna. How about some meat? Can we get some meat here? <laughs> like, you know, God, can you please give us some meat? And then it's, yeah, you've, you know, you've fed us, you've taken care of us, but what about spring? What about spring water? Can you bring, we need spring water. We need fresh water. And it's that, what have you done for me lately thing? Mm. That's what I'm trying to name. There's just something in me. I hate that thing of God's been so unbelievably faithful in this, that, the other thing, but I forgot all that. You know, none of that exists now. What exists is the current moment. And yeah, what about now? Mm. Well, what about this time? Are you going to come through this time? And so I want to address that, that the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And then there's this other piece that I wanted to speak to. And that is the precious lessons of God are worth hanging on to. So to go back and reflect on what did he teach you last year when already, how far does Christmas feel right now? Oh, the world wants it to be ancient, right? It's non-existent. It feels ancient. It was barely six weeks ago, you know, and it already feels like just gone. So what about, what about last October? What about last July? What about last April? So th- this is what we'd like to talk to, friends, and in this installment and in the next. And Morgan, you were talking about how the lessons of God build on one another. Mm. And you don't get to skip those things? Well, you know, I, th- I think as I reflected at your invitation for this conversation, I was struck by there— there's a there's a predominant thinking there that the Christian life is kind of like uh, 
a buffet or sort of a la carte. You know, maybe this is what God's teaching me, a lesson on humility or no, I I ought to focus on service and, um, or I need to deal with this person in my life. And those are all valuable things. But what I'm struck by is there is a progression that it doesn't look linear, but there is a path of maturity, of wholeness that God is after and God I believe is orchestrating and inviting us to participate. And what, what I'm so struck by John is the lessons. If we don't engage in what I would name as the frontier, those lessons don't go away, but the stakes do get higher. I have a a dear friend who has a son that's wrestling with some tough stuff. He's at college age and he's made some Um, decisions that have some consequences and he's at some crossroads and it's a big deal. And to this young man, it's a really big deal. But as I was praying about him, I could feel the excitement, the enjoyment of there isn't a woman involved. There isn't a wife involved. There aren't children involved. You know, um, the stakes are small relative to where they one day will be as yep. this young man is being entrusted with more of God's kingdom. Yeah. But they feel really big. So I'm not diminishing it, but I'm aware that there is a progression. And if we don't learn the lesson, it comes back around, but the stakes get bigger. And and therefore there's this um, kind of urging, I think, of a kingdom culture to say, um, engage right now in the peace because he wants to exercise those muscles of faith and strengthen and train us. So I think I'm aware that um, there's more than we often realize at the lesson at hand, at the opportunity at hand, because it's part of a larger work that's happening. It's just huge, the idea that that God is building upon lessons, and it's not a smorgasbord, it's not a buffet, it's not, oh, I think this year I'll learn about humility, or, oh, I think this year I need, I need to address, you know, my my issue with anger. It, I remember, it, isn't this fascinating that this has stuck with me for 35 years? Young Christian, respected my, my first pastor so much, Dick Anderson uh, in Southern California, retired now, but great guy, and I remember him saying, you know, people asking about the will of God. I need to know the will of God. You know, is this the right job? Is this the right move? Should we, should we sell our house? Is it, you know, is it time to downsize? Yada, yada. Is this the right person to marry? You know, should we pursue Mm -hmm. in vitro fertilization? Is that our, is that what we need to do? And the will of God's important. And I remember him saying, well, let's just start with what was the last thing God told you to do? Because he's building on that. Yes. And it, I was just stunned by the idea of, oh, I don't get to skip fourth grade? Yes. He has told me things, and until I engage those things, why would he tell me new things? Mm. Right? The idea of this building. Right. So let me give an example. So I was trying to reflect back on 2018, which again, just the exercise of that is like, what? Yep. Reflect back on it. Without pulling out my journal, mm. without the assistance of some record, um, which is which is good. I think you should have a record, and, and I I write things down. But you're but saying from memory of just what happened in the soul. 
in the soul, mm-hmm. kind of going into my soul and going, right, what were the what were the significant movements of God last year that that I would call lessons, yes. things he was trying to teach me, show me, you know, um, believing that I don't, I need those things now. I don't get to skip them. And it's not meant, again, that's not a shaming, blaming thing. It's just saying, if he was trying to teach me that, then apparently I need that now, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm supposed to be able to enjoy the fruit of that. So yes. I went back and here was one. Last year, one of the things that God was really driving home to me, first, he was showing me that thing in me, which is in the culture, it's the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. You know, why do people check their phones so much? Why do I check my phone first thing in the morning? Well, it's for the new thing. What's the news feed? What, what just got posted? You know, what just happened? What, it's, it's the new, the new, the new, the new, the new. And he was showing me that I was pretty caught up in that. Mm. And he began, to, he began to teach me about this beautiful, beautiful grace. Uh, and I want to call it the grace of transitions from something as simple as the one-minute pause, which we've we've talked about in different places and I wrote about in the December newsletter, that just to pause sometimes during the day, you know, when you get off a phone call and before you get in your car and go home and engage your daughter, pause. There's got to be some sort of transition between this, you know, really difficult counseling appointment and now the birthday dinner for my wife. I can't just bleed those things into one it transitions. And so, for example, you know, we've had this family tradition over the years of a, of a trip to the Tetons. And, and as our sons have grown up and married and they have families and church commitments and stuff of their own, it's really hard to pull off anything like a family vacation anymore. But we were able to coordinate everybody's calendars last summer and and get back to our beloved Tetons. But it was interesting. Our three sons are married, as as most of you know, and, you know, they've got worlds and they've got responsibilities and, and they only get so much vacation time. And, and so they needed to fly. And the family tradition was we used to drive. We drive together and you listen to audio books and you talk and you see wildlife and stuff. But okay, you got to fly. We'll meet you up there. Stace and I chose to drive because I love the drive, and the drive does good things for my soul. And by the time I get to the Tetons, I've detoxed enough. It's a 10-hour drive. I've detoxed enough from my world Mm -hmm. that I can now enter into a family time. I've let things go enough. I've unplugged enough. I've disentangled my soul. But it takes time to do that. So there's a transition to get there. And I remember when we when we landed, when the kids landed, you know, we we spent the night in a small town, drove in the next day, picked them everybody up at the airport, and and I remember Blaine saying, "Oh my gosh, it's just so wrong. I just left my world, and now I'm on. Now I'm in the Tetons on vacation. Like the, I'm not ready for this. My soul literally is not ready to engage this. There was no transition. It took me an hour and a half to get here, and you know, it's." It's that. It's just a snap of the fingers and suddenly. Anyhow, had a great time. We were able to adjust. It was a wonderful week. It ended too quickly. And then we could have flown home too. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that could have been an option, but I chose not to because I knew I am going to need this long. We 
turned it into a two-day drive. I'm going to need this drive. Yes. Because I've learned that to go from beauty and and adventure and soul care and wilderness and family, you know, and hurl myself straight back into the high-octane world is violent. Mm -hmm. And so literally took our time coming home to allow for a transition. And it was funny to watch, even in the car, my reaction, I'm like, we ought to be making better time. (laughs) This is over. That's done. This is over. Let's get to the next thing. There are things to get to. And instead, Jesus just began to point out the importance of of transitions mm. in our lives, we we uh, there was a death in our in our church community and uh, a young man that was very dearly loved by our family and I was at the memorial service and you know they're beautiful and they're and they're wonderful and they're an hour and then everybody just piles out and jumps in their car and goes straight back into their world and I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I had to sit in the sanctuary for a while and just allow myself some transition before I even faced people in the hallway because I knew there would be hallway conversations mm-hmm. and how are you and tears and hugs and stuff. I'm like, I'm, this is all too fast. Mm-hmm. I just, just give me 15 minutes. I just sat in the sanctuary. I'm just the only dude sitting in there. And and just looking out the window and just letting my soul transition, we just memorialize the life of a human being. And now you want me to go out to lunch? Mm. I'm not quite ready to make that. Mm. And these gear changes that we just force ourselves through yes. all the time. John, what I deeply appreciate about what you're saying, it ties back to the original idea of the family dinner that for most of human history, there were lots of natural transitions. In other words, you didn't have to fight for it as much, right? People walked and then the horses introduced. And even Lewis said the speed of a horse is too fast for the human soul. You know, that the, the speed of soul is something like three miles per hour. I mean, wrap your head around that. <laughs> But I find it to be true. And so Blaine drops out from an airplane in the Tetons. You know, it's it's shocking. But I think what I appreciate to tie in what, where you started us is there has to be mercy and compassion because there is now so much competing and the pace of the culture. Demanding. Demanding, expecting that that we now have to be quite aggressive in protecting those windows. But what you're naming for me that I think I'm hearing kind of um, between the words is you have cultivated some culture in your soul that, that aligns with a kingdom culture, that the atmosphere of the kingdom doesn't change, but every culture has an atmosphere. And like you said, the moment you're back in your car, you've shifted from vacation mode to there's an atmosphere of the world of what did I miss on the news, right? And what do I have to tend to in my email box? Because I courageously turned it off, but it stacked up. So what I appreciate is your naming when we agree with the kingdom culture and the atmosphere of heaven and it grows in us, it becomes strong enough in, in the predominant culture that we, we, mm. we, know, we become the kind of people that no longer can actually live without a transition, but we have to begin with 
a small pause. Yes, something gracious, something simple. I mean, I just I didn't say no to lunch to the to the dear people yes. that you know. I just sat in the sanctuary for for a few extra minutes. I, you know, I didn't I didn't take a three week sabbatical. Yes, I, you know, we can find these moments where there is grace in these transitions. And even now, as I'm recounting the story, so that was last summer. Mm-hmm. That was last July that God was teaching us those lessons. And, and pause. So I needed to get a book written in 2018. And I literally started to work on it the first day of my vacation. <laughs> that's that's how messed up it is, right? Because it's, it's actually helpful to hear that from you, John. I want to be honest. <laughs> I, that's just, that that is the world, right? The world is too much with us, right? Mm. Wordsworth said, the world is too much with us. We lay waste our powers. I literally had my laptop out and I was starting to work on chapter one of this book because there's a clicking deadline. I mean, there's, you know, I, I, I have a job, I have a career, I have deadlines. And, and Jesus just very kindly says, you know, this isn't a very good idea. I'm like, what? Yes, it is. I've got some free. I got some free time now. I'm going to bang this thing out. <laughs> and he's like, "No, this is really. You actually need rest, and then you can write." Okay, so this is the lesson from last summer, and what I'm aware of now, telling you about transitions, the grace of transitions is, if God taught me that, showed me more of it, brought me into it, reinforced it last year, then I must need it for this year. Mm. You know, it's not something I can just go, hey, cool, thanks. Right. That's what he's building on. Loved the tapioca the next... pudding at the buffet. Yes, exactly. What do you got for me now? Yeah, what's, what's now? the next spiritual lesson? What's the new thing? Versus, I actually think I need to hang on to that for a while and let that work its way into my being. Because if he was teaching me that, apparently I need that. Right? John, one of the lessons has to do with this posture of staying in the reality that as we're being matured in God's kingdom, that we are students, that we're students of God, we're learning and we're students of each other. And I think this cultivating a posture of curiosity rather than like we were talking about the next thing, the next thing, part of the culture of the world is have it figured out, like get this buckled down rather than a mindset, a heart posture of being curious. God is alive. God is in motion. His kingdom is coming in pieces and it's being revealed to us and he's the initiator. And so how do I respond and participate with the life of God that's at work in my life? And an example of that is I can think of the category of marriage, like God knows I need to grow in marriage and I need to be a, a better husband and parenting. And there's a lot of uh, lessons I could learn in parenting, but that's very different than the precision of being a student of my wife's heart and being a student of the hearts of my kids. Abigail right now is at the crescendo of girlhood. She's mostly little girl. And she is on the brink of some major changes. Oh, boy. And But by God's grace, I'm not there yet because she's not there yet. But I am savoring and relishing 
in this. And it was a lesson that God was revealing last summer. Um, Morgan, how much are you curious about what I'm doing in their life right now? Mm. An example of that, so it was last summer, where I, I... I stepped out of the generals and said, okay, I I need to be more specific of, God, what are you doing in Abigail's heart right now? And so fast forward, example, this weekend, um, we we took Hunter safety. She earned her orange Hunter education card. (laughs) And uh, it was all day Sunday course. Of course she did. But John, it cracked me up because it was completely her initiative. uh, And she was interested. And we ended up doing this online a video course that was about 10 hours of home work and then a conclusion course that was in person. You shoot a 22 and you go to class and she was amazing. Um, but what surprised me was her experience had very little to do with hunting. What she got was big pieces of four days with dad and that's just not typical. We do lots as a family, and Joshua is my natural adventure partner. It's easy for us to go on a mountain bike ride or do a workout or go hunting, but it takes more work to be with Abigail just from our natural affinities. And so I do things with her. I'll take her on a date and we'll read an audiobook, but I don't spend extended time with just her. The impact of being with her for multiple days and then going on a date to celebrate. Like she had this countenance that surprised me. It was like altogether different and and she was just lit up. And mm. I was embarrassed at how I had forgotten that the little girl just wants to be with her daddy and it's not about the lesson. But because of the summer lesson, of being a student of our heart about halfway through the program, I, I felt like the spirit said, this is not about hunting. It's not about passing a test. This is not about what your plans are for your first hunt together or the future thing. This is about just have fun, make great snacks, make silly jokes, linger. And, and yes, take her out for the meal afterwards and don't rush to the next thing because this is a moment in her girlhood Mm -hmm. that she needs a deposit of physical, emotional, intellectual affection. Yeah. But it came from the lesson of real time, God, what are you doing right here, right now in the hearts of my son in his initiation, my wife in her maturity of her vocation? And that's, that's new. Yeah. That's new frontier. And what's so beautiful is something he spoke to you last year, halfway through last year. It seems like ancient history mm-hmm. now, really, really critical and really, really helpful last weekend. Yes. Right? Yep. So friends, we're going to pause and pick up this conversation in part two, because this is so critical. The How do we push back against the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing that the culture is completely given over to? And how do we hang on to, benefit from, even remember lessons that God has taught us even in just the past year? So you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John and Morgan, and we'll be back with uh, part two next time.